Hello everyone, uh, today uh, is a special day. I'm here, as you can see, not alone, not by myself as usual. <laughs> I'm joined by Martin Schmidt, who is the first author of the paper called Player of Games. This is joint work with others by DeepMind. And I have to say it's, it's a very in-depth paper. Uh, it presents an algorithm called Player of Games that is sort of a unified algorithm to play all sorts of games. This starts at things like chess and go, which you might know from Alpha Zero, uh, but it goes beyond. It goes to things like poker and uh, Scotland Yard, which I found really interesting that it appears here. But sort of the common denominator is that these new games, they have hidden information. So other than chess or go, uh, in Scotland Yard, you don't know where Mr. X is hiding. In poker, you have no clue what cards the other players hold. So you can't just look at like the table and poker and decide what's the best thing to do because you don't know a lot of things. And yeah, same in Scotland Yard. There have been there have been algorithms for poker, right? There have been algorithms for Scotland Yard, but they were always a bit tailored to sort of the specifics of the games. And Player of Games combines a large set of techniques. And, and these techniques are things like, let's do search. So as we play the game, we do local search. We sort of invest some computation at inference time to tell us what the best possible move is. But we don't want to search throughout all the game because the, these game trees, they just get very big. So that's the part that comes in from alpha zero a little bit. But then the other part with the unknown information that is coming in mostly from the from algorithms like counterfactual regret minimization, and so on. Um, but yeah, the counterfactual regret minimization, if I understand these correctly, they were sort of solvers, like they either solved a complete game, or they didn't, right, you'd have to like traverse the whole game. And then at the end, you knew, okay, in this situation, I need to do this and so on. And yeah, this I, I, I was very excited when I saw this paper. And then I tried to read it and it was, it was, it was, I have to say it was dense. And I'm very happy to have Martin here today uh, to guide us a little bit through the paper. So Martin, uh, welcome. Uh, thank you very much for being here. Hey, I'm happy to be here. Um, did, was, was it sort of a good description of what I said so far about player of games. Oh, yes, very, very, very much uh, so. Mm -hmm. If you if you could if you could summarize sort of the the main components of this algorithm, so this is a single algorithm that I can train on many, many games. What are what is the set of games I can train it on? So the, the, the currently we use uh, we use four games the the games that you mentioned we have mm. we have chess we have go we have uh, Scotland Yard which I find uh, as a as a very cool and fun fun game and we have uh, we have no limit poker so that it's just to show the generality of it because this is all all about uh, all about the generality that's why we pick like two perfect and two imperfect uh, information games yeah so currently it should be able to handle handle most perfect and imperfect information games as it plans uh, from scratch from self play just uh, like alpha alpha zero does there are some uh, some uh, some limitations uh, for games that uh, this this can handle and we can uh, it's it's best to understand the limitations only after we understand a bit more about the algorithm itself 
Yeah, so the, the algorithm itself is uh, composed of many parts, but the, the central concepts here, I think, are, and that's what people, I think people kind of know what Alpha Zero does, right? It, uh, it uses self-play and it searches, it searches a game tree to a certain depth, right? So, so it, in these games, we usually have like some sort of a state, right? And then we have various different actions that we could take in that state. And every action leads to a next state and so on. And we have various different actions we could take right here. And every action leads to a next state. And you can quickly see how this explodes, right? So what, what AlphaZero and the, all these search algorithms do, they do this kind of limited depth search, right? They, they look maybe one or two moves ahead, but at some point they say, okay, no further. Um, we can't afford to compute all of this tree. And that's why at a certain depth or after a certain time, they say, okay, here we cut off and we use like a neural network to tell us how good this node is. Even though we're not at the end of the game where we would either win or lose, we could still have a neural network that sort of predicts this node is, is very good for you or this node is very bad for you. And that's, that's essentially alpha, alpha zero in a nutshell, let's say. <laughs> uses self-play, uses this tree search at a certain depth. It simply asks the neural network. Now, what's the, what's the problem when you have imperfect information? How does, how does this change? <laughs> okay, I yeah, know that's, 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 the, that's the right question. Unfortunately, we, we, it, we probably will spend quite some time to, to understand the, uh, the intuition of it, right? But even for, for alpha zero, it's, uh, it's good to step back and see where it uh, came from. Right? It's not, it's not that alpha zero introduced the search for, say, perfect in, in information games, right? That the search has been here, say, since 1950s, like first, uh, first algorithm for, algorithms for chess did combination of search and some value functions. Alpha zero is amazing in the sense that it learns those value functions that, that you just described through, through self play And it's also really, really smart about how it's going to, to expand its, uh, its search, search tree. It's not like it's going to always look two steps, steps yeah. ahead. It's, it's very smart about building, building this tree that goes deep where, where they need to, need it to, to, to go deep. Yeah. But it still has, has those components. Which uh, these components are simply having some search tree that uh, it ideally expands as it thinks about uh, a policy in the search tree, and then using uh, some value function at the at the end of the search tree. Yeah, so, that is that is one of the one of the hallmarks of of Alpha Zero. I think that, for example, in Go you have so many actions even at step one, right? Uh, if you were to consider only like even three steps ahead or so, this would just Below your computation budget, but in Alpha Zero, it, it sort of it sort of always starts from the root, and then it kind of goes down one of these branches that it has already explored a little bit, and in every new iteration, it re-decides which direction it should investigate, and that's a combination of sort of what the neural network says, but also how often it's been it's explored something, so it, it says you know like this direction I is very promising, but I've explored it a lot already. So now I'll go, I'll go a different branch or so. And then at the end, it always goes, gets to a leaf node that it hasn't expanded yet. Right. And at that point it asks the neural network, okay, you know, what's, what's my policy here? What's my value? And then it prepares sort of the next iteration that it could expand it even more. And so over time it builds, 
this very targeted plan. So, so the neural networks guide the tree search, as you say. That's very, very cool. Now, in, in imperfect information games, that is, yeah, that is different, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so it's somewhat uh, different, but we still wanted to have exactly what you just described. This is like why Alpha Zero works works so so well, and we still w wanted it. So on high level, you can think of playoff games as combining uh, combining Alpha Zero and uh, and DeepStack. Which, if you were to Google DeepStack, it's it was the it was the first uh, AI to beat uh, professional players in uh, in no, no limit poker, and it already introduced some of the some of the ingredients that uh, we will see in this paper, which is it introduced this notion of uh, of local search in uh, in poker and these value functions. And playoff games is really just Putting together Alpha Zero in Deep Step into a single big unified uh, algorithm. So the 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 let's maybe start with the with the component that that you that you just talked about, which is uh, value function. And the value function, if if we if we get to a point where we understand value function in uh, in player of games, say it's. Uh, then you understand like 60 to 80 percent of of the algorithm and complexity that imperfect information imperfect information mm -hmm. brings. So value function, if if you think about uh, how to use it, uh, exactly as you said, rather rather than searching all the way to the end of the end of the game because it would be like way way too long of a search, you just uh, uh, truncate your search and use value function as a substitute for for continued uh, search and. That's, that's how you use it. But what, what it really does, it maps some sub problem that, that, uh, that you are thinking of to a game value of that uh, sub, sub problem or a sub, sub game. In chess or in Go, it's really easy to think about what it really is. You get to a new board, chess or Go board, and the value function ideally should tell you, Hey, this is the value of this sub game. What it really means is, what would be the outcome if we, if two optimal players were to continue playing this game forward, right? Mm. So that's all the value functions do. And the same thing they do if you try to generalize them into imperfect information games, except that suddenly this notion of subgame and subprogram gets way more complicated. Yeah, so it, this bases on this, this notion of information states and, and sort of public beliefs about things so on the left here it, you've you've tried to show this in a, in a diagram and i think the notion is when i come to a poker table i only see what's called the public state right i see and and um actually if i come to a poker table and i observe a hand with all of its history right that is the public state um so I know, you know, who bet how much in which round and so on, who acted how, but I don't see people's cards. So there could be many different cards that people hold. And uh, some might be impossible just from the rules of the game, you know, maybe not in poker, but, you know, in Scotland Yard, you have this over here. There are certain locations this Mr. X can be, and we want to assign probabilities to each one of them right if we knew if we knew where mr x was the game would be easy right but since we don't know um we must estimate and i think that's also something you highlight in the paper an interesting property of these games is that if i am mr x or if i play poker i have to 
not be deterministic, right? Otherwise, the game would be very easy for my opponents. If that's in poker, usually, you know, people, they, they look at their cards, they go, oh! and then they like bet everything they have. And <laughs> you, know, you immediately know which hand they have if they don't also do the same thing with other, uh, other whole cards or if they don't randomize a bit. So necessarily, other than, let's say, in chess, the optimal strategy is kind of a, a distribution over actions. Uh, and y you have to sort of randomize that in order to almost a bit hide your, the, your, your private state. So what we, what we see are these public states, right? Um, and what we can estimate is these things, which are called the ranges. So these are distributions over what private states the players could hold. Right? And the, I think the difficulty in this tree search comes from the fact that you can only go from a public state, yet you need to consider all the possibilities of the private states. So you can't just say this is the situation, you have to sort of consider all of them at the same time, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because, yes, exactly. That's that's what you basically need in order to generalize those uh, sub games or sub programs to imperfect information, right? Mm -hmm. and it's not hard to hard to see that all perfect information games are just a special case where you have uh, just a single single possible state for 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 mm -hmm. for the player, right? Like uh, poker, you just uh, talk about poker and public state states, and that's a, that's a that's a perfect example, right? Like a sub program in poker, it it makes a little to no sense to say what's the value, what's the value of a sub game or sub program in a poker where where I hold a pair of, of aces. That's pretty much ill defined uh, ill defined sub game. Mm -hmm. What what we what you need to do is given a given a public uh, state, which is as you say, I come to a table, I see everything that I, that I could have observed as a public observer. So that, that's that uh, that's basically my state. But given this state, given this observation, there's a lot of possible individual individual states of the of the game that are consistent with this observation, and these these simply correspond to all the different cards the the players could could be holding. And sub game is simply defined by by combination of the of this public state, which is the thing I get to observe as a public observer, and a distribution over all the possible private states that could be happening right now. And given this distribution on top, this simply defines a well-defined subgame. And given this well-defined subgame, I can suddenly ask questions of, well, what would, what would be the values of this subproblem given that they, the, all the agents play the subgame optimally, just, I, just yeah. as I do in chess or go. Yeah, I, we, used to, we used to play poker a lot in like high school and this was, frequently you you try to you not try to guess what hands your opponent have but you try to guess you know what their range is right uh, so exactly. you consider like okay it's often going to be these cards it's less often going to be these cards i think that mirrors very much the reasoning that that people actually have in in these things and you know given given this you at the one of the core things here is this neural network that is supposed to uh, tell us what the values of the subgame is, right? And this, as you said, it gets as an input a description of the public state, and it also gets as an input your beliefs 
about what distribute like your beliefs about the ranges of the players so what their private information could be and how often and if i remember correctly these rangers they're just a result of their strategies right if you know the strategies of the players then you can y- y- calculate what their ranges are because if the strategy is i always bet high when i have aces then if the player bet high then aces are quite likely you put all of this into a neural network and the neural network gives you uh policies which is understandable it's how would a player act in a given situation this is also what alpha zero gives you but then you have these counterfactual values and this is a bit of a new term that only appears in i think in imperfect information games what is a counterfactual value right so in this case this value function very much is analogical to alpha zero in the sense mm. that you have values and policy or policy for a sub game and we use we, we use them in very similar way except as, as we just described a sub game uh, is uh, there's many possible states the game uh, the game or the players could be in given given a public uh, public state uh, sub game or a public sub game mm-hmm. and the value function given this uh, sub game outputs not just a single value that says hey value of this sub game is five it actually outputs a single value for all the possible player states that are possible given the subgame. So in poker, say I could be holding thousand different hand combinations in in, mm-hmm. uh, in holding poker. So the the network will give, tell me, hey, in this subgame, if you were to hold this particular pair of hands, this is the value, and it it, it will tell me such value for all the possible states I could be in. Yeah. Okay. And the the neural network. How how is it built to output? Um, does it have like one, let's say one output head? So does it output like a thousand dimensional vector, one entry yes. for each? Okay. So is it is it fair to say that your algorithm would struggle with um, games where the possible private states are huge? That's yeah. That, that that's the the this this is brilliant. This is exactly why I said it, it. It will be nicer to understand the limitations once we get a bit deeper into the yeah. algorithm. And this is exactly the the main limitation that we currently have because in some games this just explodes. Yeah, I see. Okay, and you have this network and you train it uh, in some way via via self play. And now we get to the part where you generalize this search procedure right and mm-hmm. let me see oh, this yes. is here so this search procedure as we said in in alpha uh, again in alpha zero you have something like you're at some state in the game right you've played mm-hmm. until this state and what you do is you do this search and you use a, an internal like simulator to do the search this is at inference time so what you do is you consider all your actions you choose on one by given the neural network's output and uh, the current search statistics, you go here, you ask the neural network, well, what's my value here? You expand that node and then you start again. And in the next iteration, you start again from the root, you uh, expand maybe the same or maybe another action, it depends, but let's say it's the same right here. If it's already expanded, you go further uh, down the tree and you would you would sort of 
you would make many iterations, let's say 50 iterations or something like this. In every iteration, you'd go down the tree and you find a node that you haven't expanded yet and you'd expand that node, right? <laughs> in, in, in player of games, this is quite a bit more intricate, right? Uh, as, as we also have many iterations, but within each iteration, we have to do a lot more work in order to actually, uh, in order to actually deal with, with this uncertainty. So could you describe a little bit how your search algorithm works? Yes, happy to. So when we said at the beginning that uh, Playroom Games is uh, a hybrid of uh, DeepStack uh, and AlphaZero, uh, search algorithm is a perfect example of uh, of uh, this being a hybrid. So what uh, DeepStack already introduced is it it had a fixed uh, search tree. So you you are a poker player. So you, uh, you what it really did is it searched all the way through a single single betting ground, and it used value functions at the end end of the round and. It uh, ran this kind of factual regret minimization, which we might uh, come back uh, later too. But you can think of it simply as some some policy improvement algorithm. Given a fixed search tree, it would iterate and improve the policy. And as as it was walking up and down the tree and finding a good policy, it would use the the value function at the end of the search tree, the the very same value function that we just talked about. Now, player of games. Uh, Adds this now this uh, smart idea of Alpha Zero, where it also tries to dynamically expand the search tree rather than having a fixed search tree. And the way it does, we simply uh, intertwine two phases, where we in one phase, given some uh, given some search tree, we try to improve the policy within the search tree. And there's a second phase where it simply tries to expand just like Alpha Zero does using the uh, same, say, PUCB, PUCB formula. We e try to expand the search tree where we think we need to expand it. And then we simply go back and forth. We like an expanded tree, improve the policy, expanded tree, improve the policy. Yeah, so this is built on an algorithm that, as you said, called counterfactual regret minimization. And this is an, this is, if you, I were to just apply, a counterfactual regret minimization. This is a solver. Like I give it a game yeah. description, and it just it will expand the entire game tree, every state there is in the game, and it will just sort of go from node to node in this tree and improve the policy of both players, right? And it just does this for many many iterations. It improves here, 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 everywhere in the game tree until the whole game tree is uh, approximately optimal, and. Mm -hmm. The, the biggest game that has been solved so far, if you describe this in the paper, is limit, limit heads up hold'em. Is that correct? Fixed yes. limit hold'em. Yeah, that's, exactly. that's actually a solved game. Yes, it, uh, it was done a few years ago by the, by the Computer Program Research Group at the University of Alberta, mm -hmm. led by Michael Bowling, and it's still, uh, as far as I know, the largest game to, to be solved. And you used the word solver, which is a perfect, perfect name, really. And like the way I think about a solver is you give me some small or medium sized game that I can fit into like a big table on my computer. And by solving, it means simply find a policy for all the possible states in a game, right? Yeah. It's easy to see that it's like, I mean, people do know how to do it in, uh, say, uh, uh, the tic-tac-toe or small, small games, right? And if you were to fit chess on your computer, then again, it's not hard to see that you could just solve it uh, given the algorithms that people are familiar with. 
Yeah. The, the thing is, even if you have a really, really small imperfect information game, you do have to use algorithms that that can handle imperfect information games. Often people just use uh, algorithms that, that they like, say, I don't know, like policy gradient methods, uh, Q-learning or whatever. And if you just run it on imperfect information game, it just doesn't find a good policy. Yeah, I think that, I mean, intuitively, it's a bit like if I start in some situation in chess and I make some moves, I have I have still like that original state is still the same, right? I can I can look back, okay, I come from there. But if I'm in poker and I'm in a, some state and I make some moves, that changes kind of the past, right? Uh, because I look at, you know, maybe you're my, my opponent in poker. I look at what you do and that changes my beliefs about what, you what cards you had back in the past and then i go back and i'm like ah okay you did this and this so you can't you can't i don't think you you you're holding you know a king and an ace given that you've done something in the future and i think this the fact that your future actions change the past that's what in my opinion makes this so much more in, intriguing and, and complicated so on, on the left side here I think this is the this is you have a search a local search tree right um you it's expanded until some depth at that depth you ask the neural network for you know summarization of whatever happens below and within that tree you run now this counterfactual regret minimization or something akin to it and you you simply want to find the best policy within that tree which is more complicated in alpha 0 I just visit every node once right because future doesn't change the past once i computed a node i only expand things below it that never changes that node however in imperfect information games right if i change something below all of a sudden the the past changes so i need to sort of update and converge the whole tree and then once you've done this for a number of steps on the right side then you add a new node by essentially doing what alpha zero does you go to a leaf node choose some action right in some information state that passes and uh, you perform that action and that expands actually one more node is that you know yeah, this is this is excellent <laughs> and uh, the, uh, the 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 property that you just described that like the future change in the past that that is also something that makes search in particular so much more complicated right because there's you can figure this out to a two-step process. If 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 you were to just solve solve some some game, you would just solve it. Even that is more complicated because of what you just described. But you could do it. There, there there's ways to solve solve imperfect information games. But we are doing search here, and the the the, the property that you talk about makes search so much more complicated. And the reason being is in imperfect information games, you cannot just glue. Uh, glue together uh, optimal policies and hope that the resulting uh, policy for the full game will be optimal. Mm -hmm. And that is something that many search algorithms just rely on. And it, it simply holds in perfect information game. So if you were to like pick any optimal policy in any, 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 any state and just put them together, this is an, this is an optimal policy in imperfect information games. It, do, it does not hold because of exactly what we just described, but 
then how can you even do search at all if search is all about like local reasoning, right? Mm -hmm. You reason locally, yet you somehow need to make sure that the resulting policy for the full game is still optimal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's 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 intriguing. So essentially, for every step that Alpha Zero does, where it expands a new node, you also expand a new node. But then you have to like get the entire tree in order again. So you expand the new node, and then you have to do the whole update of the whole tree for a bunch of iterations before you can expand another one, such that everything like stays consistent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's. I mean, this this it gives a bit of an impression of why this is. Uh, much more, much more complex, right? Yes. So this is this is essentially at inference time we do this search, right? Um, we do the search, and now comes the time when we actually need to to train this. So we have the ingredients now. We have the search algorithm. We have the neural network, and now we need to train it. And you also have you have a a method uh, or or various methods, um, and maybe you, you want to describe it yourself a little bit because this is the part where I um, stumbled a little so yeah yeah I will, I will try to do it on very high level mm -hmm. so the idea is again we wanted to take uh, the self play style method from alpha zero mm -hmm. so that you just throw the algorithm into a game and it improves as, as the as the as, as it plays and it, it gets better and better and mm -hmm. what it really means is you are improving your your uh, value and po po policy right the, the, mm -hmm. the network that we that we just discussed and uh, the on a high level since you are using your value function in your search, you call basically call your neural network with some inputs, some mm -hmm. states, public states, uh, some some beliefs, and this uh, this figure, this idea of uh, of uh, queries is simply we call uh, every single time we call a network, we call this a query. We are querying a network for 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 some uh, some value over some game. So we store this uh, tuple of public state and beliefs, and then we go through all the all those queries, and we simply try to basically improve the network on the states and the ranges that uh, the network has been queried, because this is probably what's important because that's what occurred during the self play. Mm -hmm. So you collect the train, it's similar to alpha zero, as you say, you collect the training set as you go. So the training set for the next iteration is whatever the network had to do during this iteration. So it's not just a random sample of states and yes. you train in the same manner as alpha zero, you train to predict your own future outputs. Is that approximate? So if, uh, let's, let's distinguish, if like one or two or three steps in the future, you actually win or lose the game, you can train on your reward of the game. But alpha zero also, if it doesn't win or lose the game in the next step or so, it tries to predict its own output. So it, it tries to improve that way using TD Lambda. Um, you here have a, a TD1, right? Um, so your your targets, what do you target? What do you give the yeah. network as labels? So, okay, so this is slightly more complicated here in the sense that each query basically defines you a, a subgame, right? Mm -hmm. Each query is a, is a public state and energies. And given a subgame, the ideal target for a neural network would be simply to solve the game, right? That's 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 the ground truth that that you want your neural network to 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 learn or like tend towards to. 
So rather than solving directly, because again, these subgames will still be way too big as they occur during the gameplay, we do like a small, small solver where we also substitute the full solver with a small search sheet. So mm -hmm. rather than, than fully solving a game, we use the same method to basically do a search and the outcome of the search basically a small solver is yeah. what uh, the what is the target okay so you you do the same thing yeah you do the same thing as you do during inference when you actually want to make a move you yes. so during that inference you're going to make some queries to the network you take these queries and these i think here are the red dots right exactly so during maybe this has battery again so during the inference you, you you make you do these queries you store them in this in this buffer and these now act as the root nodes for yet another search which is exactly the same as yes. the previous search right and so you you sort of rely on the fact that this search procedure can give you a better output than the neural network itself right so, yes right yes. The, the the query here the neural network will output some value, like the value is eight or one value for each uh, for each information state. But you, I think the whole algorithm is, and that's of course the reason we do search in the first place, is that doing search gives you a better estimate than just using the neural network at the start. So doing yes. search and then asking the neural network further down the line gives you a better estimate. And yeah, it makes sense. You start at wherever you ask the neural network, you use local search to get a better value. It doesn't need a perfect one, just a better one. And then you train the neural network to predict the result of the search. That's, that's, that's exactly. One would hope though, that after a while, you know, if I do this again and again and again, at the end, I wouldn't even have to ask the neural network anymore. Uh, sorry, I wouldn't even have to do search anymore during inference. Is that something you have you have you tried not even doing search, just using the neural network, the the policy uh, output of the neural network during inference? Is that something that generally works? Because you know I train it to predict the output of the search. So technically, let's say it should it should kind of learn it, no? Uh, yes, the same the same way you simply could just use say policy network in Alpha Zero yep. and let it play chess. Right, yeah. you, you you can do it, and people have have done it. It still plays uh, quite uh, quite good chess, but yeah. it's far far below the the full strength of search. So yes, yeah. it, at the end of the day, even the policy network is quite good, but it's not as good. Okay, yeah, I mean it's it's just it it shows a little bit that the search is in fact in fact really necessary, right? Um, yeah, so I think we're 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 almost getting already to the sort of results uh, way. Would you, would you maybe summarize the results a little bit? I think if people are super interested, they, they may go into, uh, right. into the paper and into the tables, but maybe you can just summarize a little bit of the results. You, you compared against alpha zero in perfect information games. You compared against dedicated algorithms like, like Slumbot in poker and you even compared against like a, a dedicated AI for Scotland Yard, um, what were generally the results for you? So yes, so 
So in general, the results are that the algorithm is all about generality, yeah. <laughs> which is uh, this is uh, not as strong uh, as AlphaZero in perfect information games where AlphaZero was designed to shine, right? Yeah. So this this uh, very much is uh, trying to be uh, general rather than being the best chess or the best poker 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 uh, agent in the world. It's just trying to be really really good in all of them at at once. Right, so what, it, what is the diff? So if if a perfect information game is just a special case of an imperfect information game, right? What mm -hmm. is then the difference between player of games and and Alpha Zero? Like why couldn't it reach the same performance? So on on paper it could, except that will, for example the the policy improvement algorithm that we use, the counterfactual regret minimization, right? It has to be also. Good, able to handle imperfect information games. That's why it's not going to convert so nicely and quickly as uh, as algorithm designed uh, designed for perfect info. So the the fact that you expect sometimes to see an imperfect information game, would it be fair? Would you estimate that if you just input more resources, input more computation time, that it would actually reach the levels of Alpha Zero? I I, I don't think it would necessarily. I mean, on paper, all of these would eventually convert, right? Yep. But everything works on paper in, in the limiter. In, in practice, Alpha Zero's uh, and MCTS is, MCTS is probably always going to be ahead, but we don't really care, right? Mm -hmm. Like, if I would be happy with a single algorithm for everything that's, that's better in humans, yep. I don't care if it's better by like a little bit or by a billion uh, EO. And then in in um, in poker here, you compared against Slumbot, which is you say the the best open source or best available uh, poker bot to date. And this is no limit poker now, right? Mm -hmm. This is this is way too big of a game to solve. And I think the other ones is you uh, you simply compare to the numbers from their papers. Is that the, correct? The or, Do you mean for a Slambot or for Scotland? Are we still talking about poker? Oh, sorry. Yeah, let's let's talk about poker for a while. So the 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 player oh. of games here gains what is this seven millibig blinds per per hand? Yeah, over it, Slumbot. Uh, yeah. Again, like we 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 could have beaten Slumbot by by a lot more. We yeah. just uh, like decided, oh, this is good enough to yeah. to like to put into a paper. We can come back uh, to it later. Like as yeah. as you know, it, it very much depends on how much time you spend tuning the network arch architecture yeah. and how for how long to train. This is what yeah. to, this was just to show. Hey, there's already an algorithm that can do all of these games, and it still plays them really, really well. Yeah, and your neural network, just to say, it's a bunch of like feed forward layers, correct? Like it's not yes. a complicated thing. So for poker, it, yeah, for poker, it's just a feed-forward network. For chess and Go, we do, we try to mirror some of the older AlphaZero architectures. Yeah. Okay. So, and here on the right side, you have uh, Pimbot, which is uh, the a Scotland Yard specific. But for people, maybe people don't. Does anyone not know what Scotland Yard is? Um, maybe you can describe. 10 seconds what Scotland Yard even is as a game. It's somewhere, right? Yeah, there's a figure maybe, right? There is this figure, right? Right. 
Yeah, I, yeah. There, there's no point explaining the, the rules in detail, but on a high level, uh, there, there's a graph. You, you are trying to chase down the uh, chase down a stone that's called Mr. X. You have uh, five detectives that are trying to 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 chase to chase the stone down. The trick is the the the, the stone, the Mr. X that you are trying to, ch to chase down, is only partially observable. That's what makes it imperfect information, and you have to basically reason about states where where he could be hiding and form some beliefs about his state and trying to chase him down. Mm -hmm. So yeah, and and yeah, I guess that's all people people need to know. You can, you can spend like funny tickets on taxi rides and and uh, and uh, various methods of transport, and then every. Every ten turns or so, Mister X has to reveal their position, and that's how you sort of form a belief about where Mister X could be, given what actions Mister Mister X took. So this is quite a specific game. So it seems it seemed to me like a dedicated um, algorithm could do very very well uh, again in in this game because it could exploit various aspects of the game. You could hard code in. You know, various various things the AI could abuse. Um, and here we see a graph of the win rate of player of games against what what's on the x-axis here. This is number of search iterations. So Pinbot yes. is a local search algorithm as well. Yes, it's it's a it's a, it's a variant of MCTS, and this is to show regardless how much time or search we give for the MCTS, the hard code hand tune algorithm. Even if it gets like a billion or something of search iterations, it's still behind Alpha Zero because it's using this general self-play learning method. Yeah, so this is this would be, I guess, the final win rate is here, like at fifty-five percent or something like this, and that is with a huge number of of iterations for for Pimbot. Yes, and Play of Games is using only like four hundred iterations on our side. Yeah. So yeah, as you can see, as you can see, the regardless of the scale, we we converge to a better policy. And you do you, you would attribute that to the use of self-play uh, to improve the strategies. It's the it's a combination of this and also the fact that play of games is built on some some uh, on some methods. Like later in the open appendix, if people are curious, they they can uh, open an appendix. We show that on small games, we where we can exactly measure how close to an optimal policy the the our, our resulting search policy is we get closer and closer as 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 the time goes so basically we are only limited by the, by the power of of neural networks and we have some guarantees that we we can get to an optimal policy uh, other methods that are based on mcts they they are not guaranteed to converge even on small games Mm -hmm. So there's there's a, there's there's also the limit of the of the fact that these methods are not sound. And just to get an idea of the scale of like we saw you know poker, uh, uh, Scotland Yard. Here we have the the uh, chess and go and so on. Can you give us a number of just how many how many GPTP whatever use? Do I need to run for how long to get anywhere close to what you did? I see. So I think the easiest for us was poker. Mm -hmm. That like people probably can train on a few few GPUs. Uh, the the by far the hardest is uh, is Go. 
where we used uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of TPUs, but that was simply because we we had them uh, available. Yeah, <laughs> I get okay. And you you did in the paper say that for comparison reasons you used sort of the same amount of compute as Alpha Zero did as well. Yeah, that that was uh, that was tricky, right? Like it's like I, I, because we do not want to claim that this is uh, this is now state of the art chess yeah. agent and like there there we don't have to do all the proper and hard uh, measurements right then you have to use clock time and suddenly if you use clock time you have to argue that you use the same hardware and and, and, and everything gets gets more tricky in here we just say well we use the we call the network as as often as alpha zero did so it should be roughly the same but like we don't claim to be stronger okay i mean that's a i think community appreciates sort of fair comparison instead of every every paper having the new best state of the art especially in rl like it seems it seems clear just from the graphs here like just from the lines it seems clear you can just in invest more compute and get better and that's what we also saw with alpha zero like it used to be s slightly superhuman and now it's like you know no human no like no, not all humans together even will ever match Alpha Zero in in any of these games, which is yeah. crazy. Yeah, you, so, you would not win a single game out of a thousand. Yeah, exactly. Um, do you you have a bit of a demonstration ready? You told me of uh, right. of of uh, the player of games playing Scotland Yard, so we can kind of see what's going on. Yeah, let me see if it's still uh, still working. It was working this morning. It was we we never planned to show it uh, externally. We it was designed for our debugging purposes, but it would be a fun demo just so that people who are not familiar with uh, Scotland Yard maybe get some intuition about the the, the game. Okay, so da -da -da, hopefully you can see this. Yep. And uh, the let me very quickly explain what is what this is about. I am now playing as Mr. X, which is this black color in here, and I can move all and on on this graph, basically walk walking the edges. And as as we were talking about those taxis and cubes, you can see that the edges have different colors. So all of these are yellow, but this this guy is blue, and they correspond to to different meaning of transportation that I get to use. Say yellow stands for taxi, taxi, I think, and blue stands for bus. Now detectives do not get to see where I am, but they do get to see which color color did I use. Mm -hmm. So right now I'm in here and I say I want to go to 49 and I want to use taxi together. So yeah, hopefully like we have been talking for a while, so maybe maybe it's not uh, alive uh, anymore. But uh, yeah, probably probably it. Uh, it died, uh, it you have scaled to zero pro proper engineering. <laughs> nice. Yes. So yeah, it doesn't work right now, but uh, at least people can get an idea of what would happen. Maybe let me. Try yeah. To... So you you'd need to you'd need to pretty quickly kind of reason, and the longer you don't see Mister X, the more sort of fuzzy your idea gets of where Mister X is. Do you do you? visualize sort of this distribution the belief distribution of where mr x is or for debugging or uh, we did it's i don't think it's it's turned on right now but mm -hmm. that's exactly what we tried to do at some at some point yeah and did you see did you observe this that's the longer they didn't see mr x the more kind of 
spread out, the more unsure they become? Is that something you can clearly observe or is that something you just feel as a human? Oh, yes. And it, it, it was actually really, really fun to, to see, see, yeah. see that. Crazy. And so the one uh, improvement, let's say, or, or one follow-up to AlphaZero was the MuZero algorithm, which, mm -hmm. which the crucial difference is AlphaZero, you need sort of the simulator. You need to be able to simulate a lot of games uh, internally. You know, need to know what, what happens when I do some action, what, what kind of state results from that. And MuZero alleviated this. Uh, by sort of going to the latent space state and training everything in latent space. Is this something I could do with player of games? Uh, no, but that's, uh, that's arguably the limitation uh, number two. I think the biggest yeah. uh, being, uh, the biggest thing is uh, right now the, uh, the large, uh, large beliefs, uh, belief space. But the mm -hmm. sec second one is we currently need a model of the environment. Yeah. And uh, Mu Zero doesn't even uh, even need it, so we can think of play of games as running behind uh, the Alpha Zero Alpha Zero lineage and trying mm -hmm. to generalize things. But uh, we are still behind in that regard. And maybe a more more conceptual question here in these in these entire game trees and so on. You know, for example, in Scotland Yard, I don't know where Mr. X is, but Mr. X's movements are kind of deterministic, right? Mr. If Mr. X uses a taxi to get from 49 to 48, Mr. X is now at 48. However, in poker, for example, if I bet something, there will, and, and my, my opponent calls, the flop will reveal like random cards. How does this, and this is different from me not knowing what my opponent's cards are, right? It's, it's sort of pure randomness within the game. Is that something that makes things very complicated or is the complicated part, like how, how do you deal with stochasticity and with randomness in games, which is also something that doesn't exist in chess? Mm -hmm. That that part is actually quite uh, easy. It's simply baked in into a, into a model, and mm. that's uh, that's pretty much it. Okay, so you can you can sort of condition on previous information, and the model will compute whatever expected value of of any future cards that could be drawn in like flop and turn and river. You can f think of it as basically having. You, you just draw the search tree at the beginning yeah. and simply one of those nodes you can think of as uh, as uh, some chance uh, actor playing and you have simply a fixed policy in that node and uh, yeah. a lot of lot of actions that's it so when you expand the search tree do you need to expand once for every possible let's say flop combination there is yes okay that that is a lot of combinations right or you can, or you can substitute. Uh, like if you are smart about it, you you can again use a neural network. There. Yeah. Okay. Do you do you think humans? Because in in Alpha Zero, you can sort of think that you do the same internally, right? You kind of you kind of think ahead and you, until some depth, and you say, ah, okay, here I guess, and a little bit. Do you think player of games or in general the, these the these algorithms with the imperfect information is also a little bit like like humans do it. It it seems vague that I I go and I kind of go through all the different flop combinations there could be, um, 
or do you do you think there is a fundamental difference between how humans tackle these problems and how how these algorithms do? I would so I would say we would both agree that in Scotland Yard you probably do the same, right? Yeah. You're like looking forward, like what if I go here? What if the opponent goes there? And yeah. then you 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 do this like search forward as you are thinking about the beliefs of the opponent. Yeah. So in Scotland Yard, I would say yes. In poker, it. It, it's simply complicated by the fact that suddenly the belief space is big. You know, like for yes. humans, even thousand is probably too much. And uh, yeah, I did like probably humans use some latent representation there already. I, I don't mm -hmm. know. Cool. And what is next in this line? I mean, now you've, you know, you've built like a big unifying algorithm that can tackle any sort of game as long as it like has a simulator. What, and, and you said it's probably not possible to go without a simulator. So what's next? Like, it seems like, you know, you've achieved kind of unification. Where do you go from here? I think the most natural path is to remove uh, the constraints that, that we just discussed, right? Mm -hmm. This is going to fall, fall apart if there's a big uh, belief space and uh, it still needs a model. I, and I think uh, this is something we probably want to play with, uh, play with next, like, yeah, like, we like making algorithms that are truly general. I think playoff yep. game is a big step uh, in this direction, but it's not to say that we are finished. And is so? Do you think if this line of work continues, it would be an algorithm that, at some point, could be thrown at pretty much any problem, like Atari and uh, like, but even beyond reinforcement learning, right? Uh, question answering, uh, visual classification, whatnot, or even robots and so on. Or do you think that is kind of a very different line of work? I, I mean, I did use, uh, I did work on question answering and generation uh, before. So yes, oh, so, sorry, so, so on high level, this this is certainly the, the dream, right? Like the, not mm -hmm. not just uh, of of uh, of the team who work on this, but quite a few smart people in deep mind like try to make something that's truly truly general. You don't really care. Well, the algorithm doesn't really care what uh, what environment you throw it into. You just like throw it there and say, okay, learn. So that's 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 the direction we are going. If player games can walk all the way there, or if some of the ideas will be simply used in uh, in other approaches, we shall see. Mm -hmm. Cool. Excellent. Well, in this case, Martin Schmidt, thank you so much for being here. Uh, this, this was way, way, I promised to everyone, this was way better if, than if I had done this, uh, myself. So thanks a lot for, for joining us. Uh, this was really awesome. Thank you for having me. This was fun. Thanks.